0: Amen, amen. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. What a presence of the Lord. Thank you to the worship team. Let's give them a hand. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord today. So appreciative of their ministry. Thank you to everybody. Amen. What an excellent job today. Amen, amen. Well, there is before you today a new face somebody say the little guy and be honest with you when I uh uh got an invitation from Bishop Powell to be with you all I was afraid Bishop Powell is a significantly larger man than I am and that means that sometimes those pulpits are up here and for me I may not see you and you may not see me for the duration of the message but when I walked in I said thank you Jesus Amen, but I've gotten to meet Bishop Powell a couple of times and just a tremendous man of God. I am so honored uh, for the invitation to be with you all today, and I think that this will go down as the most aligned Sunday that I have ever seen in my life. From Pastor Lucas through the music, I don't think you will ever find a single Sunday when more has been in tune and in sync and on point and over the next few minutes you'll see why. But God is trying to do something right here, right now, in the church of Omaha. He has an agenda today. He has an agenda in 2022. He has an agenda with you. Not one ounce or iota of this is an accident. God has planned and ordained this moment for this time and this season right now. Somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, but it is a tremendous honor to be here. Uh, if you would stand together with me just quickly today, we're going to turn uh, in Scripture uh, to the book of, I don't remember what I even gave you, It's either Acts 2.38 or John 3.5 or something fun like that. We have Acts 2.38, anybody ever read this one before? Amen, we'll c- cover that. Amen, God is good, God is good. Turn to somebody next to you say, I'm glad you're in church. Amen, turn to somebody behind you say, it wouldn't be church without you. Amen. Look at somebody in front of you. Say, I'm even glad you're in church. (laughs) Amen. Everybody point to the little guy. Say, preach fast. (laughs) Amen. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to tell you today, if you're here for the very first time, you can repent, you can be baptized, and God will fill you you with the Holy Ghost. It is for you. It's for your children. It's for everybody. Amen. 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 We give tremendous honor again, Bishop Powell, Pastor Lucas, your ministry team. I know many of them couldn't be here today. Amen. But we want to pray that God will be with them and uh, that he will still achieve his purpose in spite of me today. Amen. If you would lift your hands to the Lord, put your Bibles down, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I lift you up and I bless you today, mighty God. I'm so thankful for your power and your touch. I'm so thankful for the anointing that I feel in this place already from the beginning of the service until the end. I believe that your hand is going to move. I believe that you're going to speak. I believe that somebody is going to get a call from God in this service today i pray that you would anoint me to speak and us to receive let your kingdom come and your will be done in jesus mighty name let's give the lord a hand clap of praise today oh thank you jesus thank you jesus amen before i let you get seated amen i'll tell you just this much about me there's not much to the story i'm very first generation i love the lord We have, uh, I normally live up in the Seattle area. I thought I would be the furthest traveling to church today, but I think our family from Maine might have beat me. Amen. You know how how good church is in Omaha? They come from the corners of the United States to have church in Omaha. Amen. I, I uh, own several family practice clinics, and right now I spend most of my time as a primary care provider during the week. And every weekend, my, my wife, family, kids, we evangelize. I have with us here today just my son from my family, and then uh, also Sister Megan, Sister Jodacy, who help with promotions and just want to share what God's doing around the world. Amen. Turn to somebody by you and introduce yourself if you don't know them. If you haven't talked to them yet today, just tell them one thing about you they might not know amen and amen let's give the lord a hand clap of praise today you may be seated thank you thank you thank you amen god is good thank you for standing for worshiping for being here today amen it's cold outside but you brought yourself to the house of the lord amen i am going to preach to you today or endeavor at least to do so with a tremendous burden on my heart and i recognize that some portions of this message will be heavy but if you'll stick with me i believe that the lord wants to speak to us today amen i so enjoyed the message this morning and to be honest it was so aligned with what i'm doing right now i don't know that i even need to be here amen but if you would let me echo the sentiments you heard this morning and add my own little flair to it. This is what I want to speak to you today, and this is a subject I had written down, and it is that of being called. Turn to somebody next to you, say, called called. At some point, it is my persuasion and belief that every person needs to identify their calling. Every church will need to identify their calling. What I'm talking about when I say that is that you need to find the purpose that will define your life. If I was to ask you what is your calling, I would be asking what is that single, significant, chief endeavor that you are committed to? What is the motivation of everyone, of your life's efforts, of your hopes, of your dreams, of your ambitions? What is your calling? What is it that you would sacrifice to? What is it that you live for and you would die for? What is the goal after which you strive and you work? At some point you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, God, what is it that you have called me to do? Who is it that you have called me to be? I want to tell this church today that God absolutely, unequivocally has a call for the church of Omaha. God has a call on you. and He has a call on us. You weren't put in this world on accident. Your life hasn't led to this point on accident, but there is a call for you. There is a unique place that you fit. There is a unique ministry that you have. There is something that God has designed you for, a purpose that is greater than you, that's greater than your work, that's greater than your school, that's greater than your identities and your degrees and your diplomas. God has a call on you. I wanted to, if you would allow me to share a little bit about William Booth. Turn to somebody next to you, say William Booth. Amen. William Booth is a word, a name that you'll hear whenever you study modern Christianity, as he's one of the founders of a mainstream Christian denomination. Has anybody ever heard of the Salvation Army? Amen. The Salvation Army was founded by William Booth. And it was said that it was founded because of one vision that he had. As William Booth was traveling between cities, he looked out of the windows of what he was traveling in, and he saw the multitudes in his city. And he wrote that he had this following vision. I'm going to read to you what he penned. He said, I saw a dark and stormy ocean Over it there were black clouds that hung heavily, and through them every now and then a vivid lightning flashed and loud thunder rolled. And while the winds moaned and the waves rose and foamed, they towered and broke only to rise and foam, tower and break again. In that ocean I thought I saw what were myriads of poor human beings that were plunging and floating, that were shouting and shrieking, that were cursing and struggling and drowning. And as they cursed and screamed, they rose and shrieked again, and then some sank to rise no more. And I saw out of this dark and angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the black clouds that overhung the stormy sea and all around the base of the great rock I saw a vast platform and onto this platform I saw with delight as a number of the poor struggling drowning wretches were continually climbing out of the angry ocean and I saw that a few of those that were already safe on the platform were helping the poor creatures that were still in the angry waters reach a place of safety and upon looking more closely I found a number of those who had been rescued that were industriously working and scheming by ladders ropes boats and other means more effective to deliver the poor strugglers out of the sea Here and there were some who actually jumped into the water, regardless of the consequences in their passion to rescue the perishing. And as I looked on, I saw that the occupants of that platform were quite a mixed company. That is, that they were divided into different sets or classes. And as they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments, Only a very few of them seemed to make it their business to get people out of the sea. But what puzzled me the most was the fact that though all of them had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyways, it seemed the memory of its darkness and its danger was no longer troublesome to them at all. And what seemed equally strange and perplexing to me was that these people did not seem to have any care. That is, any agonizing care about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their very eyes. Many of whom were their own husbands and wives, their brothers and sisters, and even their own children. But the thing to me that seemed the most amazing was that those on the platform to who he called, who heard his voice and felt that they ought to obey, at least they said they did, those who confessed to love him much and were in full sympathy with him in the tasks that he had undertaken, who worshipped him, who professed to do so, they were so taken up With their trades and professions, their money saving and pleasures, their families and circles, their religions and arguments about it, and their preparation for going to the mainland, that they did not listen to the cry. That came to them from this wonderful being who had himself gone down into the sea. Anyways, if they heard it, they did not heed it. They did not care. And so the multitude went right on before them, struggling and shrieking and drowning in the darkness. I am telling you that as traveling between two cities, one man looked out of the window and saw the multitude that was perishing and he realized that nobody is doing anything and if anybody is going make a difference, it must be me. Church of Omaha, I want to say to you today that we are in the midst of a multitude and nobody is going to go unless we go. Nobody's going to save them unless we save them. Everybody was perishing and everybody in the church was idle. Oh, but there is a church that God has called, God has equipped and God has redeemed for the exclusive purpose of reaching the lost. Oh, Holy Ghost, right now, I pray that we would hear the call I pray that we would hear the call. I pray that I would hear your call. Come on, somebody. You weren't put into this building that you would be entertained. You weren't put into this building that a song would give you goosebumps. You weren't put into this building to appease your conscience. You weren't brought into the church so that He would just passively bless you, so you'd get a bigger house and a bigger car and a bigger paycheck. I wonder if there's anybody that says, I will not rest until every Last one of them is baptized in Jesus' name and God has filled them with the Holy Ghost there is a call that God has for his church today and it's not a call for ornate buildings, it's not a call for flawless performances it's not a call for preachers of notoriety, it's not a call for members of pedigree hear me, it's not for the gaining of audiences, it's not to entertain God's elite it's not to acquire money but we have Do we sing? Yes, we sing, but we're not a concert hall. Do we have programs? Yes, we have programs, but we're not an entertainment center. Do we have preaching? Yes, we have preaching, but not for the sake that you remember me or my ability. We are here to reach every last soul. Imagine those that are here today. Imagine had there been no one before us who had heard the call. Imagine there was no Church of Omaha Imagine there was no man of God in this city. Perhaps you don't come from here. Imagine if in that city there was no church. Imagine if in that city there was no preacher. Imagine if there was no saint teaching Bible studies. Imagine there was no bus ministry. There were no rides. There were no options. No, I am thankful that somebody has heeded the call. And the least that I can do is heed the call of God for the next somebody. God looks down at a lost humanity and I believe more than any other time in history that there is an urgency rising in the spirit of God. I believe a seriousness in Him, an overwhelming compassion and an impetus to act immediately. I believe there will be a mighty end time revival. I believe that 2022 will blow the lid off of what we saw in the last two, three, five years. Come on, somebody, the Bible says there are not four months and then comes a harvest. But if you will lift up Your eyes and look on the fields, they are already white and ready for harvest. Omaha, in 2022, you have a call. In the midst of your persecutions, you still have a call. In the midst of your problems, you're called. In the midst of your despair, you're called. Luke fourteen and sixteen. I want to cover real quickly. If you have it in your Bibles, you could turn there. Luke fourteen and sixteen. Amen. It's the parable of the great feast. Somebody say the great feast. Amen. This is what the reason I cover this, and I I cover this often in churches, is because it is the recipe to have revival. If it was ever given in the form of a parable, this is the recipe. Somebody say amen. But this is what it says. It says, A certain man, Jesus speaking, made a great supper and bade or invited many. And he sent his serving at supper time to say that them that were bidden to them that were bidden come for all things are now ready. amen when I teach on evangelism, I call this level one evangelism. That's where we pass out a church card and we say, come, we pass out a door hanger, we say you're invited. Maybe we put on Facebook, we'd love to have you. Generic, soft, informal, easy invitations. come for all things are now ready. now, I don't even have to ask questions. I know that this church has went out and it has invited people at different times and in different places. Amen. We've done outreach. We've had cars. We've done door hangers. I know it. I don't even have to ask the question. And this is what happened. Verse 18. They all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I need to go see it. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I have to go prove them. Have me excused. And another said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant, somebody say, that's us. The servant came, and he showed the Lord these things. And the Bible says, look, I want you to pay attention to God's response. Because the mentality of most churches that I encounter in North America believe that if I have tried once, then I have done enough service for the Lord. So what we would expect under that guise and that interpretation is that God would look at us and He would say, if you have ever done anything, surely that is good enough. If you have a church website, surely that is good enough. If you've ever taught a Bible study, ever knocked a door, ever passed out a flyer, then you have done your duty and surely that is good enough. But in verse 21, the Bible says the master of the house being angry, angry, angry said to his servant I want you to go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Oh one pass isn't enough for God's revival one try is not enough for what God wants to bring into this church you might have started with the ones you thought were ready but God says open your eyes I'm after all of them I'm after the rich the poor the white the black the English the Spanish I'm after your neighbors your friends your co-workers your classmates there's not a soul in Omaha he doesn't care about he would walk away from the 99 to go after that one last lost sheep come on somebody he said go out quickly into the streets and the lanes and you ought to get to doors you've never been to before you ought to overturn outreach ideas that have been collecting dust on your shelf you ought to try the new and try the old you ought to run the vans and fill the Sunday schools you ought to pack out the youth group and every service you can so they went out this time To the poor, this time to the maimed, this time to the halt, this time to the blind. Verse 22, the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded. I'm thankful for a church that when God calls them deeper, they respond. And they went out and they did it again. And he says, it's done as you've commanded. And yet there is Room. I wish I could explain to you what I feel right now as we were praying before the service. As the service was getting started, I'll tell you what I was. I was first sitting right up here, and from right up here, I'll tell you what I felt. I was worshiping right here, and everything looked amazing. I loved it. We got you felt it too, right? They got going with the worship, juking and jiving, and the young people were up here, and everybody was worshiping. And then I've got spiritual ADD, so I started walking around, and I got to the back of the building here and I'm going to be honest with you from the back of the building it doesn't look like it does sitting up there even right now as I look around come on somebody turn your head to the left and to the right there is yet room hear me church of Omaha we're not done until every last seat is filled we're not done until every last soul is baptized in Jesus name we're not done Until every last person is filled with the Holy Ghost. So he said, Look, God, we went out, we did it, and yet there is room. Oh, I felt this just resonate in my spirit when I looked around this building. Yet, there is room. You want to know what God's response is to us today? I know we're missing some, but this is God's response to us today. A third time now. Come on, third time now. Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in that. My house may be filled. God is going to work on us and work on this city until the house is filled. We're called to fill His house. However long it takes, whatever it takes, we have a call to fill this house. We don't have a call maybe to have the prettiest building. We don't have a call to have the best music. We don't have the call to have the most catchy preaching. We don't have a call for the most entertaining programs. Though I would love all of those things. But we are called to fill this house. Harabo. We are called to have the busiest baptistry in Omaha, we are called that every person that crosses those thresholds is filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We are called that in this place blind eyes are opened and deaf ears are unstopped. We are called that here they lay down crutches, here they come up out of wheelchairs. We are called that in this place signs and wonders confirm. The the word we're called to grow the house in the church of God Mark 16 and 15 he said go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved that he that believeth not shall be damned do you understand that this is not some trivial call This is not some optional pursuit. This is not for the hyperactive Christian alone. When it comes to revival, it's not about personality. If we fail to tell them, they are lost. Do you understand that to them, you are the only lifeline? To them, you are the only rescue boat. To them, you are the only life jacket, the only hope, the only answer. And if we fail to go, they die in their sins. But I want to tell somebody good news today. As you study scripture, there is a recipe to revival. And in as much as it's true, if we say nothing, the result will be nothing. There is a law of scripture that if we say something, God will do the rest. There is a law in scripture that if we plant and if we water, God will bring the increase. What am I telling you today? I am telling you that this year we have the ability and the capacity to see more baptized than we have ever seen before. I am telling you that in the span of one year you can baptize more than you did in the last five years. I'm telling you that in one year there will be miracles unlike any we have ever seen before. If we obey the call I want to fill the house. If you would imagine with me, I'm sorry to bring you into my world. If you were to imagine with me the grandest of hospitals. You know those kind with those automatic glass doors that are frosted with the hospital's logo? That's not the kind I work at, but I hear about those places. You know the kind where you go in and the doctors wear white coats that are white, not yellow around the rims with pen marks from going in and out of the pocket because the hospital issued them 15 of those crispy lab coats. You know the kind where you go in and all the nurses greet you by name, oh, so good to see you, Mrs. Smith meaning they actually looked at your chart before they came into the room. Man, imagine we built a hospital. And I've been I've been involved with one hospital construction program. We put up a 97 million dollar hospital and we tried to put in the bells and the whistles that we could afford. But we built a hospital out in the city and you know what was so interesting about building a brand new sterile, beautiful TV screen, frosted glass door hospitals that what you need once you open the hospital are sick people or the whole building is a waste. It's so interesting. When I talk to people that are in the church, I ask them questions like, what do you want to see God do? And they'll say, oh, I want to pay off the building. If we could just pay off the buildings. Others will say, oh, if God would just give us a building, a bigger building, another building. Oh, if we could have better music. We just need a worship leader. Oh, if I could have a better piano. If I could have better drums, friend, at the end of the day, what would happen if you had the building you wanted, the keys you wanted, the drums you wanted? the website you wanted, but there were no sick people. We're not in the business of buildings. We're not in the business of music. We're not in the business of oratory ability. We're not in the business of entertainment. We're not in the business of programs. We are in the business of sick souls finding a savior. I want to tell you what I'd like to see I'd like to see coming back to the church of Omaha and they say (laughs) I'll be honest I'd love to hear this and they say when I come in oh sorry brother Anderson we didn't know you're bringing your kids we might have to make a different plan because Sunday school is at capacity and we don't have room to cram in a couple more I would love to come in and they say hey the youth group has their own service now their own worship now their own preachers now oh come on oh I I'd love to come in. This be full. I notice you all have French services, right? Am I right? Wrong? Yeah. I took French. I was from Canada in high school. Uh, it was required, so I didn't pay attention like I should have. I left, I think, only knowing bonbon, s'il vous plaît, is candy, please, that we would say to the teacher. You know, we were living in Walla Walla. And we were living in Walla Walla and our pastor was just all kinds of crazy at the time. And he sat us down and he said, God has called us to have a Spanish church. He told us God has called us to have a Spanish church. And I'm thinking, Pastor, every one of us is whiter than Cracker Barrel. How are we going to have a Spanish church in Walla Walla? You know what he said? We have one translator who can speak both languages and we don't need anything but the one translator. So we tried. My wife learned songs in Spanish. We found out we wrote some borderline swear words, mistranslating and putting the lyrics up on the screen. But we tried the best that we could. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I know what happened? We had an amazing first service. Not one Hispanic visitor at the end of a month. And we did this for real. We didn't do some home Bible study situation. We had church. We had Spanish songs. We had Spanish preaching. We did all of it through the interpreter. We figured it out. And we had church. After one month, not one Visitor. After two months, not one visitor. After three months, you get the point. Three, four, five, six months, not one visitor. It was somewhere around six months, he sits us down. I remember the pastor sitting there and I, he sat us all down, all the leaders in his office. He said, I always remember this. He said, I might have made a mistake. This isn't working. We've been trying. We've been pulling the same team back that does the two English services making you come back and do a Spanish service. What do you guys want to do? What do you think we said? Man, shut this thing down. One after another, we went around the room. and He said, okay, we're going to close it down. Next Sunday rolls around, called us back in the office. He said, I made a mistake. I should have never asked you because God called us to have a Spanish church. And he said something crazy like, I don't care if it takes me 10 years we ain't shutting that service down. It wasn't one month. We had, you guys ready? One visitor who spoke Spanish. I know y'all ain't excited about that, but I get, I was more excited in that moment than in the services I've had 150 first time visitors. Cause it was, you know how hard it is to preach to a wall? <laughs> And that one visitor that stumbled into that service, God saw fit to fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And stay with me, because within one more month, they brought their spouse, they brought their three children. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And before a year's time, the Spanish church had outgrown the English church. Friend, I'm telling you, God has called us some more and a bigger. None of that's in the notes. Why do we not heed this call? Why do we not heed this call? Why do we lose the vision? Why do we maybe have heard it at one point, but we do nothing with it? I believe there's only four reasons. The first is we tell ourselves some sort of narrative about being unqualified and unfit. I am unqualified and unfit. Has anybody ever said that? I am not bold enough. I am not smart enough. I am not educated enough. Therefore God cannot use me. But what these groups do not realize is that the call itself qualifies the called. Do you understand that it was God that called you and not your pastor? It was God that calls us to revival and not the district. It's God that calls us and not a Bible school, not a license, not a pedigree, not an age, not an income, not a personality, not a speaking ability. God has called us. The basis of the caller qualifies the called. And so we ought to just go because he will go with us. The next that we tell ourselves is this apathetic acceptability. That I am not like that and it's okay for me to not be the one that does it. The pastor is the soul winner. The ministry is the soul winners, but I am okay being me and doing nothing. That is the lie of apathy if there had ever been one. The great commission in your Bible was never given only to the pastor. It was never given only to the leaders, but it is given to every last one of us. And so you You need to realize that following the call of God is a required choice for you to obey. It's not a whimsical emotion. It's not a part-time hobby. It's not done when you feel like, I'll be honest, I never roll out of bed in weather like this and feel like hanging some door hangers. Amen. It is done not when the variables are perfect and the resources are overflowing. It is done because we make ourselves care and obey. Somebody needs to exchange apathy today for a kingdom ambition and just go, go, go everywhere they can. Go to the grocery stores, go to the gas stations, go to the workplaces, go to their schools, go down their streets, go through their neighborhoods, go, go, go. The third lie that we tell ourselves, and this is harder to break, is that I'm too experienced. Not too experienced meaning that I have four degrees from a Bible college, but too experienced again meaning I did try something at some point and have grown weary now. It wasn't as quick as I thought, it wasn't as easy as I thought, but this city isn't interested. These people aren't ready. That one with their arms crossed in the back. That one that's always late or only here once a month. Surely they don't want it. Surely they're not ready. Somebody that says we've tried and it didn't happen. So they burned out and they back down. And they speak now only of yesterday's revival. And they can believe only for distant revivals of tomorrow. But they lack the capacity to say it is now and it is here and it. It is today! And the last group, and this is the one that I meet the most, are those that are too busy. These are the supporters of the idea of revival. But they will never be the hands, and they will never be the feet, and they will never be the mouthpiece. What I mean is this is the group that's glad for everybody else that gets baptized. They're glad when every person is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost They may even be on the worship team. They may even be in the youth group. They may even be on the church board or they may even be behind a pulpit. But they are simply too busy themselves to be personally found in the business of reaching the lost. They're never the driver of the church van. They're never the teacher of a Bible study. They're never hanging the door hanger. They're never compelling somebody to be in church. They're never sharing acts to 38 They're not opposed, but they're not productive. They keep their talent and their time for themselves. I mean, I want to share a story with you from work. I apologize in advance. But I'm working uh, in one emergency room. And... As I'm working in this emergency room, to be honest, 99% of what happens in the emergency room is very mundane. It is little old ladies that check their blood pressure, and it's 20 points higher. And with great care and consideration, you express you will survive the day. And I've treated somebody in the last few years that came in for a mosquito bite. Not infected, not excessively red a run-of-the-mill, single mosquito bite. <laughs> but there is 1% of what happens in the emergency room that is sheer and utter chaos and terror for everyone involved. And I remember this shift that I was working and I had one of the trauma rooms in my assignment and in that room there rolled in a man who had active compressions going on. He was clinically dead. He had The paramedics told us he had been a great number of minutes without having any pulse or any blood pressure and so he rolled into that room with his gray body on the gurney bouncing up and down as they performed compressions. So I walked over to the computer and I began to input all of the orders and all the medications and all of the imaging that would follow our protocol for a scenario like that. And I remember I would stop the group every couple of minutes and we would check for pulses and we would check for blood pressure and there would be absolutely nothing. I remember as the minutes would tick by thinking this man's statistics and the probability of him or, of surviving or getting worse with every passing moment. You know, we do quite well if only a couple minutes pass. But when you start rounding 10 and 15 and 20 minutes, it is almost impossible that you will come back from that other side. And I remember as we were going through the motions, somebody brought the family into the room. At the foot of the bed began to crowd his Son and his daughter and behind them came I imagine they all got the call behind them we're in the car together behind them came the grandchildren I believe he had at least one sort of uh, nephew or niece in the room as well and at the foot of the bed as all around him there are nurses that are scurrying and putting in IVs and we're putting in central lines and intubating and compressions and IV fluids and beeping and alarms and stopping to defibrillate him I could hear at the foot of the bed a distant weeping as the family would shudder because to them this is dad to them this is grandpa to them this is uncle and he lay there dead and lifeless gray and cold his eyes were fixed his pupils were dilated and there was absolutely no response as we looked at him I have a little bit of a reputation of probably running those situations longer than anybody else in my hospital. And I remember letting the minutes go by thinking, I don't know if this is going to happen, but it doesn't hurt me to try a little bit more. And as we went down and we were doing the same thing, getting no result, all of a sudden there was another doctor that worked in that emergency room. And he came and he stuck his head into the room. It wasn't his room. It wasn't his patient. He didn't have any reason to be there. But he stuck his head into the room, probably wondering if he could help. But when he looked at the monitor and he looked at the man and he looked at the clock, he simply said these words, let's just Call it. Let's just call it. You know, he wasn't as invested as I was. I was the one that had been there with those nurses in front of that family trying everything that we could do. We were the ones that would answer to them if this didn't happen, if we couldn't help him. And he walks in nonchalant and he looks at our effort and he looks at our attempts and he looks at our ambitions and he says, Just give up. Throw in the towel. You tried and it got nowhere. You did the best that you could and it didn't do it. Walk away. It's done. Some of you in this place today have been tempted by the enemy through 2020 and 2021, through COVID. Through financial problems, through lost jobs, through situations. Some of you have heard that same voice that walks into your life and it wants you to look down at what you've been engaged in and say, why don't you throw the towel in? Why don't you just call it and move on? Some of you have looked at this church and you've seen those empty chairs and the devil has tried to tell you, just give up. There's no more revival. Some of you have been told to look at your ministry and the devil's walked in and said, why don't you call it? Shut it down. You'll never do anything. You'll never reach anybody. You'll never make a difference. I want to tell you that the devil ain't invested like God's invested. And God is never going to walk in and tell you to back down. He's never going to tell you to back up. He's never going to tell you to throw the towel in. God is never going to tell you it's enough. You're deep enough. You went far enough and there's no more. There's no higher. No, God has a call for you, you would do well to shut down every other voice, every other distraction. He calls for higher, for deeper, for further, and the house to be filled. The call of God will never be for you to do less. It will never be for you to give up. It will never be for you to give ground. Somebody needs to hear the call of God today and stick to it like their life depends on it. You know what's interesting about that particular story? We have revived countless people. I I used to work for the emergency room at multiple hospitals. I worked at the same time as a hospitalist. I worked at the same time in a clinic. And I worked the same time as a medical director for an ortho company. And I, between all the different settings, had seen so many people die. And so many people come back. And one day, only one day, in my whole career, one man came back to thank us. And this man, that was lifeless on that gurney, walked back into the emergency room. Probably two, three weeks later... And to be honest, I didn't recognize him. I'd never seen him that color, and I'd never seen him wearing clothes because we were defibrillating him. But when he walked in, he had color in his face, and he gave his name, and immediately I knew who he was. And he said, I just wanted to thank you because a few weeks ago I came in here and I had died and my family were all there at the bedside and they told me that, I don't remember it, but they told me that when I was dead there was a moment that you all considered giving up, but you kept going and I wanted you to see what happened, that I have been saved and I am well. And I wanted to say thank you. Hear me, friend, all. All across the city right now there are some that will come back to us and they will say thank you thank you that you ran that bus thank you you taught that bible study thank you you reached for me again thank you you kept coming when I said no thank you With tears in their eyes, they'll say, thank you for baptizing me. You don't know what I was, but it saved me. Thank you that when every other church in town gave up on me, you still love me. Thank you. Thank you. Their children will thank you. Their grandchildren will thank you. Come on, somebody. If you're going to live your life for some call and some purpose, it might as well be reaching and saving the lost. There are more scriptures on evangelism than there are on baptism. There are more scriptures on evangelism than there is on the Holy Ghost. There is more scripture on evangelism than there are stories of healing. Yet we preach it and practice it less. What would happen if our church in this hour and in this moment would answer the call of God? And again, God didn't ask us for better preaching. He didn't ask us for perfect music. He didn't ask us for bigger buildings. He asked for labors. Do you know that that is the only prayer request of God in Scripture? For labors. And it's something we can answer. He simply wants labors in the harvest. You know, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you're not fishing for men, I would ask, who are you following today? You can't shortcut a call. The house is filled or it's not. And at some point, hear me, we don't talk about fishing anymore. We don't have a fishing conference. We don't bring more fishermen onto the team. We don't run more programs for the fish that we already have. We simply get ourselves back into the boat, back on the water, and we heed the call to be fishers of men. Today, you're not called to possess the greatest job, the highest income, the biggest house, the nicest car. You're called to the kingdom. You're not called to luxuries, to entertainment, to vacations, to recreation, to comfort, to events, but to shaking hell and filling heaven. If I give myself to something in this life, it cannot simply be for me or my identity or my bank account or my assets, but it must be for his name and his kingdom. Hear me, you are called to know him and bring All that you possibly can to knowing Him also. Amen. If you stand together with me today, the church is called corporately and personally. I know it's tough when um, bishops not there and some of the other leaders aren't there. Some people are here and there and everywhere else. Let me just give you my experience and I don't live here. Okay. It's not my backyard necessarily, but I have a burden for here. Somebody asked me one time, say, man, where, where do you feel like God's called you right now the U.S. of A, every city, every state, every church, I just want to pour into the harvest. I don't care if I ever preach a conference, but let me come do door hangers. Let me come reach a drug addict. Let me come help somebody with a broken marriage. I'm all about that. Amen. Let me tell you my experience. It was so difficult to get here this time. And... Uh, not only the logistics of what the church may be going through here, but just for us, we we had a ticket, an easy one-way ticket, and we get to the airport. This is actually, it never happened. It wasn't delayed. They outright canceled the flight. and So we get there and we sit in a queue for two plus hours to try and get up to the desk, and the lady's trying to get us on another flight, and it goes, we had got there at early o'clock, I don't know, six, seven in the morning, something crazy early, and the lady tells us, the only flight we have, hours later and instead of what we would have landed here at one in the afternoon or something like that now we're landing at almost midnight it's just so difficult to make it out and i wanted with every passing minute i wanted to get here more i wanted to just get to the city i want to get to your field i want to get to the church we're tired it wasn't non-stop then it was two flights and a layover and all this other Whenever we finally get into the plane and we're coming over Nebraska, and i had been here a week or so ago driving through, but this time was different. There was a dark cloud cover over the entire state. The pilot comes over the intercom and he says, in 20 minutes we're going to land. And I look out of the window say, land where? It's black as night out there, and there's a blanket of clouds. Every now and then you'd see the tops of the clouds from the blinking lights underneath the airplane. And as that plane makes a little bit of a bend and it starts to roll just a little, all of a sudden that dark Blanket of clouds that covers and coats the entire state is lit up from underneath and illuminated right over the city of Omaha, and it was beautiful to see in the middle of the night. And then that plane descends and it cuts through the clouds. I'll be honest: when they said, "Hey, we're coming to Nebraska," I had no idea what to expect. But as it broke down under the clouds, you could see why the uh, the clouds were illuminated. Because everywhere you look are homes, and streets, and schools, and businesses, malls, and cars, and street lights. You have 2022, Google tells me, you have 490,377 souls. The state has 1.96 million. That means 25% of the state is right here, right now. And yeah, I come down through those clouds and I feel the call of God churches and preaching points, Spanish works there's Hispanics on the plane with me, there could be Spanish works there could be youth services, there could be college revivals as we drive around, you have a school of dentistry why can they not have a work as we drive around there's campuses and huge beautiful high schools why can they not have a work I'm telling you there is a call from God and 2022 can be the greatest revival we have ever seen. Amen. I want to invite everybody to come and gather around the front real quickly. Amen. If you would, bring somebody with you and come and gather around the front. If this is your first time here, we're not at all going to scare you, do anything make you uncomfortable. We just like to spend a time of prayer after the service. Amen. Grab somebody, bring them with you. Invite them to come. Amen. If you're a little uncomfortable with distances, that's fine. You distance yourself a little further away. Again, nobody's going to mess with you here. Amen. I want to create space to hear the call of God. As we started this service, I'm not, I promise I'm not a real mystical guy. I'm never going to pick on somebody say John you are upset at your co-worker Jim and you need to make that right right now make everybody look at you and point at you and throw shoes at you and weird stuff but I don't sacrifice chickens and we don't take up snakes we don't do any of that funkiness but I work for Jesus and I'll knock doors and win souls and pray with people and all that fun stuff but as we went to this service I had such a strong feeling this is as mystical as I get that at this portion of the service God was going to give many individuals a call here today I believe by a strong impression on your heart right now as we pray God is going to show you what you ought to be engaged in God is going to give you at least one area that you can step up and be a part of revival I believe right now that God is going to put a burden on your heart for this city and for this church unlike any that you have ever had before. And I wanted to create space and time in the service where we could tune our ears in to what God is calling us. Now, I have a vision for revival that I feel like God gave me for this church. I have a burden for this city that I feel like God gave me. (laughs) but I believe He wants to give it to you here today. Sometimes it's the hardest for us to hear what is close to us. It's the hardest for us to see what's been around us the whole time. It's the hardest for us to hear that level of call. But right now, I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to speak to many somebodies This place, I wonder if you would lift your hands and close your eyes and lift your voice and begin to let the Lord speak to you today. Come on, could you do that? We're going to pray that way and then I'm going to stop you and we're going to pray one other way. Hallelujah. But right now, across this place, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, Holy Ghost, I pray that you would call your people, show us what we need to change. Show us where we need to go. Show us what we need to do. I pray that you would burden me. I pray that you would change me. I pray that God, you come on somebody, that you would guide me. Lead me, Lord. Oh. Come on somebody. He has a call for you. He has a call for you. He has a call for you. Come on, it might have been a little while since you paid attention to it. You might have tabled it thinking it was going to be another month or another year out. But your hour is now. It's time that you step up and respond to God. Come on. He's not done with you yet. There is yet more. There is deeper. There is higher. There is anointing on you. You have a purpose and a ministry. This has just been the beginning leading up to right now. Oh, come on. Somebody hear that call. Somebody hear that call. He's trying to speak to your heart right now. Come on. I don't care what you've done. I don't care however many other people wrote you off I don't care if you walked in thinking you're a nobody and a nothing look at another nobody and another nothing God can do something through you church. Man, look at those chairs. Imagine every one of those chairs filled. I want you to picture sitting on those chairs out there, drunks, addicts, released prisoners. I want you to picture out there teachers, doctors, nurses, young people. I want you to picture the English, the Spanish, the French, the Russian. Come on, fill it in. I want you to, in your mind, in your spirit right now, begin to feel this church. I want to impart to you a vision of a church that is full. Uh, look at the back rows. Come on, I want to see them standing in the back. Come on, look at these aisles. These aisles are way too wide. I want you to see us pulling chairs alongside the chairs that are there to fit the revival that God is bringing in. Now do this for me. Would you turn over to that baptistry? Hear me. I have been in revival services we've had In the United States, I've been in revival services that took us two and a half hours per Sunday to baptize the number of people that wanted to be baptized. God wants to do it here, and He wants to do it now in 2022. Now I want you to look up across this altar. I mean, I've had the privilege to be in services where they brought up paralytics and paralytics were instantly healed. I've been in services, they brought up the deaf, and the deaf could instantly hear again. And I've been in services where the hardest of hearts came in late, sat in the back with their arms crossed, and somewhere, at some point through the service, tears began to flow down their face, and they marched up, at the first of which to do so, and lifted their hands, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words. At this altar in 2022, there will be signs and wonders. There will be infilling of the Holy Ghost, and lives will be changed.